you know, this um, tradition on Mondays where we celebrate mass and liturgy the hours together, and then we uh, we'll have nachos, you know, maybe watch a movie on our day off. So it's it's just wonderful, and to be able to come home and and to be able to just share like, how you doing? How was your day? Um, how did you see God work today? We can have those conversations, and it's just a regular part of our life. And um, it, for me, it just builds me up. leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hey everybody, Christian Huntley here again, actually coming to you from my bedroom in the apartment that I share with three other roommates. I produced the podcast from home this week and actually played it out loud in the kitchen while my roommates watched football and attempted to give each other haircuts. That is not a joke. We're just really committed to the student budget. Uh, And we actually chose this week's intro clip together because nachos on movie night is one of our favorite parts of living in community too. We had a lot of fun listening to and discussing Father Brian Saverin's witness to the intentional community he and his brother priests live out on a daily basis. You're in for a great episode. Enjoy. Lift off and the clock has started. A number of years ago in our diocese, we began to go through a transformation, uh, putting together new parish groupings. And I know we're not alone as a diocese. One of the pastors that is responsible for one of those parish units is Father Brian Sabern. He's our guest today. He is a priest with the Companions of the Cross, and it's great to have you today, Father Brian. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. Great to be here. One of the things I wanted to talk about today, again, I know dioceses all around the world are really grappling with resources, um, reusing those resources in ways that sometimes include selling buildings or downsizing because less people are going to church. We have less priests, lots of reasons for it. Um, And at the same time, I think a lot of dioceses are also saying, you know what, maybe living, having priests live in community is also a good idea. Maybe it's a healthier way of living out the priesthood in a way that could gain some momentum and we could go on the offensive again. And and so I'm so glad to have you on because I know that's a really important part of the charism of the Companions of the Cross, and I want to break that open with you today. So what was it that attracted, like, what was it about community? Because that's what you would have been recruited into as a companion. Tell me a little bit about your story. Yeah, so, um, you know, I born and raised in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. It was in a church-going family, and, you know, it's it rare to miss a Sunday, but, you know, in in the middle of high school, my parents really started to take their faith seriously as a result of a variety of factors that led to a reawakening in their faith. And in my later years of high school, I had the opportunity to put Christ at the center of my life as well. And it was primarily as a result of the ministry of this new community of priests called the Companions of the Cross, ah. to which I now belong. And so it, they had a lot of influence on on my own conversion experience. So after a little bit of time, when I was beginning to start discerning a, a call to the priesthood, it was just a natural 
place for me to go and and see what's going on, you know? Sure. See how these how these guys live their life and and I was particularly attracted to uh the community life that that they were living and the charism of evangelization. Those mm-hmm. two things uh really spoke to me and uh it was just a natural fit and uh never looked back. Ordained in 2014 and spent a, a few years in Ottawa and then uh, came out to Halifax uh, where I now minister. Well, I'll tell you, getting to know the companions because the companions have been in Halifax for a while. I've never met a companion I haven't enjoyed. Like there's just this vibe, there's this just life to you guys, this joy and, and truly this whole passion for evangelization runs straight through your order. And I've always admired that. And of course, his father, Simon, came to St. Benedict Parish and, and really got to know you guys in a whole new way. It's been such a natural fit, such an incredible blessing. And uh, I love that. And so, you know, when you think about, you know, I think about you, that's a neat story because, you know, the companions had an impact on your family and you. Mm-hmm. And so discerning the priesthood, that was a, a that was an obvious place to go and explore. And so community would have been a part of that. I think of so many other priests who maybe are diocesan priests, that's not part of their reality. Like they it community, I don't know, there are probably dioceses out there that have priests living community, but it's usually retired priests live together, but not necessarily active priests in ministry. Do you see any potential problems as, as if bishops are trying to bring them to live together like <laughs> yeah um yes <laughs> uh, it, it is different right um not every priest is called to the kind of community living um i felt called to mm-hmm. many priests belong to a diocese and they do exist in a kind of community with their bishop you know they're in communion with him and with their brother priests but they may not live with any of them or share meals or times of prayer together. And they certainly don't have a rule of life like you'd find in religious orders. You know, they're, they're pursuing holiness. They're oriented towards their ministry or apostolate, often in a parish. And their life is the ordinary mode of living out the priestly vocation. And quite frankly, they often do so heroically. I know. Um, it, it's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm inspired by so many diocesan priests. Um, but God has, God's raised up other forms of priestly life as well. You know, there's religious orders in the church who have particular charism or gifting that animates them. Teaching or prayer, for example. And some of these live in monasteries like the Carthusians. And mm-hmm. um, there's another type of community called a society of apostolic life. And that's what the Companions of the Cross is. And so we share a common life. We come together for a common purpose, though, which has to do with the our apostolate. And so the nuance here is that while the shared life is the bedrock that keeps everything solid, it kind of exists in order to build a house on top of it. So the way our community has expressed it, uh, it's our ministry flows from our life together. You know, there exists this creative tension for us and that our life together is primary, primary or foundational, but it's ordered towards our apostolic work. It helps bear fruit there. Mm. And, and of course, uh, you know, as I said, our charism is evangelization. So what we want to do uh, is propose Jesus Christ to people in a way that they can understand who he is, what he's about, what he's done. And he's making a personal call on your life. He's inviting you to respond to that call through repentance and discipleship and in a way that's total. So that, that's kind of what we're, 
what we're about and and our community life is oriented towards that towards mm-hmm. our, our our mission so um when you're you're talking about um bringing a, a group of guys together um in a diocese i think there's a lot of different factors you need to consider uh, about that in, in ter- and one of those things is uh what what is the vision what's yes. the wider vision right like what are you trying to do by by putting guys together and so that's something that you know bishops and personnel boards are going to have to grapple with as they're considering. So what you're saying is just putting guys together isn't a good enough reason just right? That is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. you know, and but it's it's almost no different in a parish, is it? In in that you know, parish is dysfunctional if we don't have a common vision. If we have just a if we have more than one vision, Absolutely. we have division. Exactly. And, and and so the hardest thing for parish priests to do is to cast vision and win people over to that vision so we can actually all start rowing in the same directions and get results in the form of transformed lives and impacting the world. And what I hear you saying is this is a microcosm of the same thing that happens in a parish. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, just, you're talking about it at a wider level. But, uh, but that's it. And so, uh, yeah, they, they, I, I would hope that the, the bishop is kind of seeking the, the Lord's word, you know, for his diocese and, and, and what the Lord wants to accomplish uh, in and through him and, and his priests and, and all the other resources he has at his disposal. So it's mm. all oriented towards uh, the mission of Jesus Christ. So what are some of the, what are some of the things that you, that have blessed you as you live out your priesthood in community, like, cause you know, you have a house of four in, in mm-hmm. lower Sackville, Nova Scotia. And uh, I, again, I think you guys are great individually. Great. We almost popped in to see you, by the way, coming back from golf the other day, but we were so tired. <laughs> we changed our mind, but like, we just thought, wouldn't it be fun Anytime. to pop in on you guys and just, just to see you guys together and have some laughs. But um, what have been some of the bigger blessings for you? Like, how is that forming you and molding you? Yeah, there's there's a lot that I, that I could say. Um, one of the things is uh, we have a share group that meets every two weeks, and so what that is is we get together, and uh, it is what it is. Like we, we share our lives um, intentionally. We do this, of course, you know, over dinner and stuff like that. But this is a particular way in which we can say, well, this is going on. These are my joys. These are my struggles. This is what I. You know, I sense the Lord is saying in prayer and, um, you know, can you, can you speak into that? You know, so after, after sharing for a while, say, well, you know, do you have any, do you have any advice? Do you have any, any thoughts, any senses of the, from the Lord uh, about that? And then at the end, um, you know, here's a few things I really like prayer for. And so, um, you know, the guys will, will pray with me for whatever those those things are, you know, mm-hmm. it'd be anything from something in prayer life or uh, maybe there's some particular difficult conversation in the parish that has to happen, you know, in the next couple of days or something. And can you pray for that? Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you how valuable that is to have that place to to just share openly, vulnerably, um, to, to have empathy and also to be challenged and to be held accountable. So that, that, that alone is just such a blessing. And then we have our, our times of, of shared prayer and the liturgy of the hours and worship. We will celebrate mass on our day off, even maybe watch a movie on our day off. So it's, 
it's just wonderful. And to be able to come home and, and to be able to just share, like, how you doing? How was your day? Um, how did you see God work today? We can have those conversations and it's just a regular part of our life. And um, it, for me, it just builds me up. Mm, that sounds amazing. It sounds so beautiful. I mean, it's such healthy, that's healthy community. That's exactly the types of things that we tried to do. You know, I think about my time at St. Benedict Parish. It's that type of a culture. It's the same. That's what we're trying to create with connect groups and, and firing it off through Alpha. And so that's just so beautiful. Um, you know, you said something I just want to pick up on. You said, you know, yeah, we do that over dinner too, but this meeting is special. And so it's funny how if we don't intentionally make something special and particular, we can just kind of, oh, well, we kind of get together anyway. We kind, we're, we're together because we eat together. We're together because we're in the same house together. But it doesn't mean we're being vulnerable. It doesn't mean we're challenging each other. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean we're seeking advice. It doesn't mean we're interceding. It doesn't mean we're holding each other accountable. And it's almost like if you've developed certain patterns, you stay in the patterns instead of saying, let's be intentional and shift. And it's like, we almost need permission for anybody that is living together. And this, this goes for couples too. And families like sure. you're here, like this, like what if your family kind of lived like this? Like, this isn't just for priests. Like what if this was your house? And I know you can't celebrate mass, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, we kind of get in ruts sometimes and, and we almost need permission to hit the stop button and then choose to be intentional. And it doesn't mean that those, um, those meals and other shared time without the intentionality doesn't have value. But boy, when you do become intentional, it can take you to a whole new place. It really can. And I've found that those intentional times kind of inform or reinforce those unintentional well i mean it's true the, the meals are intentional but kind of the um just casual conversations and just that practice of i'm yeah i'm going to intentionally ask you about your day because i, I want to know and because you know I, I i love you you know yes so that they reinforce each other and it's very similar to our times of prayer you know we want to turn to the lord in prayer throughout the day but it's so important to have that that bedrock of uh, a time of prayer with the Lord that's extended uh, our personal prayer time and, and they reinforce each other. Uh, that makes so much sense. I remember years ago, it's a funny story. I know Father James always appreciates when I tell the story, <laughs> but uh, I was invited to be on the parish pastoral council, which I was, I was in my twenties and, um, <laughs> and the meetings were terrible. They were absolutely atrocious. And so I, I kind of saw who the power broker was in the room and it was this, this lady, I think she was a nun, lovely lady too. I just loved her. And so I asked her if I could go see her. I just make an appointment with her and I did. And I said, sister, I'm wondering as part of our monthly parish pastoral council meetings, if we couldn't maybe start off by pairing up and just asking each other, spend some time one-on-one so we get to know each other and just say, Hey, what's Jesus been doing in your life this month? And then so we can just listen to each other. And her response, her eyes popped out of her head and said, you can't talk like that around here because people will leave. And I'm thinking oh. to myself, parish pastoral council are supposed to be the elders of a community. And yeah. we can't talk about what Jesus is doing in our life in a Catholic church. Like, well, I ended up, I said, this isn't for me. Like, I, I can't stop. I can't continue to be in an environment where Jesus can't, his name can't be proclaimed. And we, 
<laughs> we make assumptions that the key leaders in the church aren't comfortable talking about Jesus. <laughs> it was terrible, but I must say, priests aren't necessarily used to talking about Jesus together either. It's true. It is true. And so, you know, they'll get together, they'll talk, they'll have a beer, they'll have a meal. Might gripe a little bit about some of the things that are rubbing them the wrong way. But that whole idea of being vulnerable, honest, uh, seeking advice, challenging other and being accountable, that is so foreign to their experience as a diocesan priest. I mean, just the thought of it would be, imagine there's people listening who are diocesan priests say that would never fly here. And I don't think that's necessarily true, but it might feel that way based on their experience to this point. Yeah. And if I can just kind of give some maybe uh, encouragement uh, for that, even community, you still have to be intentional. So yeah, we've got a, we've got a set of constitutions. We have, you know, the writings of our founder and all those things are are great. They're, they're inspiring. They're beautiful. But if we don't, in our local households, really intentionally try to live it and have some intentional forming conversations, then it's so easy to slide. It's so easy to rationalize various things away. And all of a sudden, you know, you're doing half of what you've agreed, to, you you've signed up for. Mm. And uh, I really credit, you mentioned Father Simon. Uh, when I moved to Halifax, he led us in one of those forming conversations as a household. And he said, guys, so yeah, we've, we've got these constitutions and rules and it's great. Um, but I've lived in different households and, and we've lived these to varying degrees. Do you want to be great? Do you want to be excellent? You know, and what do you want to, what do you want our household life to look like? And we just went around and, and shared and dreamed and it was incredible. It was so, so good. And at the end, we're fired up. We're like, yeah, we want to commit to this. We want to be held accountable to it. And it's been awesome. I mean, it's like any family or any you know household, there, there's ups and downs. And one of the things we needed to talk about actually in that conversation was how are we going to handle conflict? Because we knew it was going to come up. I've, I've never lived in a household where there wasn't conflict, but there's, there's ways of dealing with it that are good. And there's ways that are dealing with it that aren't so good. And so when we talked about our different conflict styles and, and, you know, how we wanted to, to handle that and just kind of, um, kind of aired that all, we're able to commit to that and to be able to, to challenge each other, uh, when the times arose. So it's been, uh, I, yeah, I, I credit him with uh, leading us in that capacity. That's so beautiful. And, and we'll step over the line from time to time. Like we're not always coping well. Like sometimes we're not at our best and, and we do things we said we weren't going to do, or we don't do things we said we were going to do. And it's so normal. And, uh, but when we have that foundation of understanding and commitment, we can always go back to it. And if we love each other enough, um, you know, then maybe we can remind each other of, of what we committed to and why. And it sounds like you guys did a really good job of building that foundation. So you talk about rule of life, and and that's a term for me that I'm not familiar with, although I'm sure every priest knows exactly what you're talking about. So for anybody like me that doesn't know what that means, can you describe that for me? Yeah, each community is going to look a little bit different in in the way they approach this. But uh, it's often like this set of practices or behaviors that we're committing to as a community. And those are 
Those are kind of captured in our constitutions and rules. That includes things like every two weeks we meet for this share group. You know, we have a certain set number of prayer times and, and meals a week uh, at a minimum. You know, yes. uh, we commit to an hour of personal prayer each day. We commit to praying a rosary. These kinds of things uh, that we've we've committed ourselves to, and and we try to live out and can be held accountable to. Do, quite That's frankly. neat. And so yeah. it sounds like you know, I, I remember years ago I took over heading up this um, soccer so soccer club in the town that I lived in and we were as dysfunctional as the day is long. And so I, I, I called soccer Nova Scotia and asked who the three most successful clubs were. And then I downloaded their constitutions and bylaws and I looked at them all and I looked at ours and then I re we rewrote the entire thing and took it to the board and got it passed so that that became our foundation with which we would launch from. Um, you know, it sounds to me as I hear this, if I was one of the priests being invited into community at a diocesan level, I might look can look your guys as that was just a starting point as a, I'm sure there are others too, but can people access that or is that personal in terms of your order? I believe our constitutions and rules were on our website at one point. Okay. Um I I'd, I'd have to go back and, and look. I know yeah, that our, our website's been redone recently, but um yeah, it's I, I think it's important to Maybe use those things as a as a guidepost or yes. or something like that. One of the things about um, the diocesan priesthood is that they they haven't committed to that kind of of life. You know, they of course that that community call is is kind of in addition to the priestly call. And so one of the things to grapple with is, um, and you had mentioned this off the top. Are we inviting priests into something or are we going to impose something on them that they maybe didn't quite sign up, sign for. up for? And where's the where's the fine line where it's like, okay, now now the diocesan presbyterate really is a society of apostolic life or or is a religious order or something, you know, based on what you're looking at. And, you know, is where's the freedom there? So it's it really needs to be an invitation, I think. And um there really needs to be a, a vision for what life can be like so that buy-in can be attained. Right. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. And I know of situations where both are happening and so it's, uh, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. And I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, to your point, like you guys have bylaws and rule of life or what have your constitution, your rule of, of, of life. And, but that gets lived out to different different degrees, you know, just like any Catholic church. You can go to a Catholic church. They all say, oh, anybody's welcome or hospitable. But some will feel ridiculously hospitable and others won't. Yeah, but yet exactly. they all claim the same thing. We all read from the same scriptures. We all belong to the Roman Catholic church. And so there are different levels of which we can live out anything. And I think, you know, if people are going to be starting giving this a try who are diocesan priests to what I'm hearing you say, and I love it, is what's our common, what's our shared vision? Mm -hmm. And then out of that, how do we, you know, how do we, if we're wildly successful living in community together as diocesan priests, what could that look like? Uh, what, what would be, what would we want to commit to that would make us great and help grow us as priests? And, and then maybe finally, you know, what are our conflict styles? Because you can rest assured, we're going to step on each other's toes and irritate each other from time to time. And let's not let that fester. I always say unresolved conflict is Satan's playground. 
Exactly. We need to run towards conflict, not away from it. So we need to root it out. Yep. You know, I go back to that forming conversation that uh, I had with Brother Simon and the other brothers in my household. And I, I think about some of the instances I, I've heard of diocesan priests talking about this and, and desiring this. And then something we did in, in our own diocese, again, is to have a conversation. You know, where, where are your pain points? Like, what are, you, what are you struggling with? What's difficult right now? And what would you like to see? What, what, would be, what would enhance your experience of living out your priesthood? And it's amazing what happens when you get guys just sharing honestly about their experiences. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the, the buy-in will kind of like bubble up. It's like, you know what? We actually want this. And now, it's, now you've got a bunch of guys asking for something rather than something being imposed on them. So that's a mm-hmm. very different starting point. It's true. It's true. I love it. And I can't imagine how challenging it would be to socially engineer that. You know, you think about the parish groupings and, okay, well, let's get Father Brian to live with Father Anthony and, uh, you know, and because they're both young and they'll get along. And, and, and so we make those decisions because the decisions need to be made somehow. Um, and so that would be hard. Like I remember putting together connect groups uh, at St. Benedict and, and, so trying to figure out, okay, which leaders would work well together. And I think if I went at that again, and I will, uh, I'll go about it a little differently because sometimes you put two people or four people together that you think will really hit it off. And, but you make that, I was making that decision for them and they were saying, yes, I was asking and the answer was yes, but it wasn't always, uh, you, you wouldn't always admit that, oh, you know what? I really don't get along with that Brian fellow. Like he's a nice guy, but he's a bit <laughs> weird. Like I just, I don't know. I just find him weird, but I'm not going to say that because I'm Christian. And so I don't. And then I get stuck with you. And then sooner or later we part ways. And that was a great way to grow connect groups because then all of a sudden we <laughs> they'd recruit two more leaders. So now we'd have two connect groups right. instead of one. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to make those decisions. It's hard to know what's going to draw and keep people together and to create that, that environment. You know, what, what are some, like, obviously you can't be specific, but what are some struggles that you or others have gone through in living community? Like what are some of the hard things? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, you've hit on it. Personalities sometimes clash and sometimes you don't have a natural affinity for someone, mm-hmm. which is why, I keep going back to vision because it's just so important. There's got to be something bigger that's kind of keeping you together. And it, and if you lose sight of that, then it's just so easy to nitpick. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, families are meant to be on a mission as well. Like it, it's, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. If you've lost track of that, that's when it's just so easy to, to, you know, go after people in a way that's not helpful. I'll say that much, you know? Yes. In community, just like in families, it's sometimes hard to get space. The walls are paper thin. I know like there's a big difference between extroverts and introverts. An extrovert will come home and, you know, um, just kind of want to have conversations and do stuff. And, you know, you got half an hour this evening. Great. Let's let's do, you know, whatever it is. Uh, an introvert will come home probably a, a little bit more drained from the day. And, and yes. it's just like looking for the first 10 minutes of spaces that they've been able to get in their day. And, and how do you manage that and, and people's different needs? Uh, it's, you know, um, 
Father Scott, who's now Bishop Scott, uh, was the general superior of our community for uh, a while, and he would often call this the uh, sandpaper school of sanctification. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, it's where we grow in holiness. And uh, we can expect that. We can expect it to be difficult sometimes, but um, this is this is the Lord's means of making us holy. Mm. And so... Um, I don't know if you've seen any of the, the chosen episodes, but um, I love how they portray Matthew and uh, just right. the, the the tension of living community and and kind of like again, people came from different backgrounds and different personalities and having to grapple with that for the sake of well, we, we've all been chosen, guys. You know, uh, we're yes. all here to follow Jesus, and so it's no different for us as well. Mm. There's that there's that higher calling, and so it's like. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go all in and try and make this work and try to listen and understand and and invest in in these guys because it's worth it and they're worth it. Mm, I love that, and I'll tell you, I'm just taken, Father Brian, by our conversation and how everything we're talking about applies to life in the parish. You know, the parish is a sandpaper school of sanctification as well, and and I'm, I'm always I always laugh when when people are surprised that there's disagreements, because it's always the other person's fault. Oh, and because yes. <laughs> uh, they're the morons, right? It's never us. Oh, yeah. And, and we're surprised. And they call themselves a Catholic. Like, it's almost <laughs> like we shouldn't fight if we're Catholic or, or, or we shouldn't disagree. Or, but it's, it's absolutely, completely, utterly normal. And mm-hmm. to your point, if we don't have, if we lose sight of our big, bigger vision and purpose, then we're just trying to break up fights and and try to make people happy. And that's a terrible goal. Like it's, that's not, should never be our primary goal. And, and uh, I think that can be exceptionally hard for, for shepherds, people who are naturally shepherding when, when there's any tension, they want to alleviate the tension and they lose, they can lose sight of mission and purpose. And, and we can create a culture where people just feel like their needs come first. And it's like, or their preferences come first. And it's like, no, our mission, our shared mission comes first. Exactly. And we have to lay our preferences down at the foot of mission. Yeah, there's, there's unhealthy conflict and there's healthy conflict. And healthy conflict can produce wonderful things, whether it's in a, a meeting or in a relationship. Yeah. It's when we get into name calling and, and just assuming that, yeah, someone's a moron or um, they must have the worst possible intentions. It's It's funny, isn't it? How... With someone else, it's so easy to assume the worst possible intentions. But with ourselves, it's like, no, we <laughs> we know our own heart. We're coming from oh, a yeah. good place. hundred <laughs> percent uh, of the time, right? hundred percent of the time. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of learning to translate that and say, hmm, maybe the other person, you know, has something to offer here that I'm not seeing. I've got blind spots. Uh, I'm a sinner. I make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should uh, value this person sit down with them and hear them out. Mm, I love that. Boy, that, uh, what if we took that attitude to social media? Wouldn't that be helpful? That would be wonderful. Social media is so often a dumpster fire, quite frankly. And it's a wonderful tool for communication and, uh, a place that we need to be as church. Um, it's, uh, yeah. kind of can be a, a place of evangelization, but it, it's so um, acrimonious so often it's, yeah. it's very difficult. It's polarizing and it's, uh, it's a hard mission field. It's funny just recently, uh, as I'm just with my new ministry, just 
getting familiar with some of the social media tools because I'm not that up on them. I'm really not. And so I decided to, because you can place, um, can promote your uh, posts through Facebook. And I'd never done that before. And so I forget what I was doing recently that I thought, oh, you know what, I should probably get this out there more. And maybe it was the book study I'm doing. And uh, anyway, and so, uh, you know, yeah, without knowing what I'm doing, I figured out which age group, which countries and all this stuff. And, and then I paid, I think I paid 30 bucks. That's fine. And I'm terrible for relooking at stuff. And so I went back eventually and looked at it and every single comment was tearing me to shreds. Mm. But, and it made me smile in the sense, like I'm thinking, why would these people be so angry? Like, I don't even know them. But then I realized <laughs> they're getting my promotion for the book study or whatever it was. And, uh, and they're not a Christian. They might be anti-Christian. And so they don't want to see the stupid stuff on the things that they like. And I just thought, well, fair enough that they're upset. Like I, I, I could probably be more specific in terms of my marketing because <laughs> that would just be a thorn in their side. I'm just, I just felt like, I'm so sorry, guys. Like I really didn't mean to cheese you guys off. Like <laughs> I meant to reach people that would be interested and would care. And I didn't. And so, you know, I, I kind of, I thought that's not necessarily the nicest way to respond, but uh, I, I could also appreciate it if they're not into that. And uh, anyway, it was it was a funny experience. <laughs> I felt terrible for them because they were really upset. And I just thought, wow, okay, you know, sorry, man, I'm going to have to. But so, you know, I think. That happens when we're trying to break new ground, you know. Yeah, it's... it does. I wasn't trying to convince them as much as I was to invite the the people that I thought would be interested, but they probably felt like I was trying to sell them something because they're heathens and I'm not. And, and it's like, no, I wasn't saying that at all. That was not my intent, but I can see how you'd feel that way. And I, I'll have to rethink my strategy. <laughs> intent versus impact. Eh? <laughs> I know they won't be listening to this podcast to hear my apology, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, it's so true, but I love your attitude around that, just being curious and, and, and not, you know, in the absence of information, we often think down, mm -hmm. uh, particularly when there's a, a void of trust. Uh, when we trust somebody, they can mess up and we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. When we don't know or trust somebody, then we'll often think down. We'll fill in the story with things that assume the worst. And, um, and that always leads to difficult relationships yeah and building trust takes time yeah and uh it's it's a relationship at a time often and mm -hmm. it's uh you can't put a timeline on it it's it's kind of conditions not timelines you know and right. uh and it requires an investment and uh consistency showing up and, and really having you know the person's best interests in mind and uh over time that 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 kind of blossoms but mm. it's it does take time and it's worth it i love that i know your your role in lower sackville at holy trinity parish uh, this is the first time you've been had the opportunity to be a pastor which i'm really excited for you but our whole diocese is is wrestling with infrastructure and stuff and i know your church has had to manage that too how's that been like i'm sure there's been some difficult times in that but what's that been like for you in terms of trusting relationships and difficult conversations. Like I know that's a part of it. Yeah, it, it is difficult um, to have 
those kind of cultural conversations and, and missional conversations, it's, it's new language for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things, he, so I, we've had uh, three, first of all, three different parishes as part of a pastoral unit, and then three churches as part of a parish. And uh, we've, we've moved through this process to actually um, two of those churches are going to be permanently closing in September, which is painful. Yes. It, it's painful. Church, closing a church is never a good thing, but mm. sometimes it is a necessary thing for the sake of the mission. Mm. So, but when you have three distinct communities, beautiful communities of people with their own identities, their own histories, and uh, their own their own accomplishments and things that they've done, quite frankly, to build the kingdom of God, and you're trying to bring them together into a, a new identity and and refocus on the mission of Jesus Christ and and a new vision uh, that is hopeful and um, we, we can we can see uh, growth and we can see impact uh, for the kingdom of God. It's it's difficult to to build that trust. And one of the things that I've I found too is that a lot of people are experiential, and so there's a a smaller group of people who kind of just can can catch that as a as an as an idea, and then there's a lot more people who are like, show me. Which right. I can appreciate as someone who's born on the feast of Saint Thomas the Apostle, who famously <laughs> said, "Unless I stick my finger in the wounds, I won't believe." I, I get that. I, I'm more of a, a look before I leap kind of person. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, part of that building trust is is one step at a time, and and one conversion at a time, one testimony at a time, sharing glory stories, sharing good news, mm. and constantly saying, "This is what we could do. This is what we be, could become." And, and this is what we're sensing in prayer that God wants to do in our midst. Do you want to be part of that? Mm. But it's it's difficult. It really is, and it, it's it's been a, a bit of an uphill battle. But uh, we're, we're really starting to see some some fruit, and uh, just so many beautiful people that belong to our our parish who who do want to serve the Lord and and are committed to Him wholeheartedly. Yeah, I. It is hard. I. I remember Father Bernie O'Neill, who preceded Father James and I at St. Benedict Parish, like bringing those, it was a similar thing, three churches, individual churches coming together under one parish, and it was hard. There was a lot of pain, a lot of resentment and bitterness, and and then we inherited that hard work that he and all the other people did to get it to that point, but eventually it did turn a corner, and we could get excited about the newness of what we were going to do. And, uh, but boy, a lot of father Bernie paid the price for that. And, and, and the other people, not just him alone, all the people he would have had around him, but it, it is hard. So my heart goes out to all those pastors and parish councils and leadership teams that are wrestling with these real, very real issues as we steward the resources that God gave us in this time. Like we are going through a change of an age. And uh, nobody necessarily has a playbook right now, but we sure could use one. And so, <laughs> you, you know, you really are on the front end of, of, um, of going through these situations and trying to keep people inspired and focused so that together we can do the very things that will glorify God and transform lives. Amen. Yeah, there's, there really is, there's no playbook um, for this. There's no playbook for, for COVID as well. We, we've gone through through that. And um, one of the things that I've learned often the hard way is that part of the reason there's no, there's no playbook is that God wants us to trust him above all else. You know, talk about trust. Yeah. He, he wants our hearts. He wants our trust. 
And if we if it was that easy, you know, just do this, do that. I don't know that we would grow into the saints and missionary disciples that he's calling us to be. Fair enough. And and I'm not so sure in some senses we hadn't gotten caught in that model of thinking that that we'd kind of whittled our, our Catholic faith down to a formula and we just keep doing that plug and play. And we're not in that we're not in that world right more. We're post-Christian. And and if we continue to behave like that, we're going to continue to decline at a rapid rate, especially because of COVID. I was talking to my friends, uh, Father Michael White and Tom Corcoran the other day. And they asked me, where do you think the church, what, do you, what can you get? Where do you think the church is going to be in the next year? And I smiled and laughed because I have positivity as my second strength theme. So I like, well, I'm always thinking things are going to be great. Uh, but I do think like, just like the great depression, those people, they didn't take money for granted after that. They, they really, they treated their money very differently. And, and I think with all the separation that we've had to tolerate during COVID, I'm, I'm hoping we won't take each other for granted for a while. And I think maybe there's a, a really exciting time to come back and, and do things in a way that we really appreciate and enjoy. And their perspective uh, was really interesting. They said, yeah, that is possible. And, 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 and churches that are on the forefront of innovating, they're not afraid to take risks to try new things in order to be fruitful and successful are going to succeed. And the ones that don't are going to cease to exist. And I couldn't argue with that. I just thought, you know what? You're probably right. Yeah, it's a bit of a stark message. But the reality is that we were headed in that direction anyways. COVID has just acted as an accelerant yeah. uh, to trends that we've, we've already been seeing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the good news is, you know, the, the Lord doesn't abandon his church. You know, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, we're meant to go on offense, actually. Yes. <laughs> but uh, so now it's, now it's time to do it, right? Amen. It's, uh, you talk about positivity. It's, we, we can look at all the problems and yes, they're there and maybe some of them aren't going to go away, but it's like, what is God saying? Because he's probably providing some solutions. And so why don't we tap into yes. that? Amen. Amen. I could not agree more. And that's what I see time and time again. You know, I've been hosting this book study lately and the people from all over the world are on it. And it's always fun because then I put them in small groups and they get to make friends from people in different parts of the world that are also Catholic. And, and they talk about the, the, the issues they're facing and they're always surprised that the church issues are the same all over the world. And I often say, if our problems are the same, then there's a good chance our solutions are the same too. And so that I find really exciting. I really do. And so it's a neat time. I was on a uh, divine renovation webcast or webinar um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I went to the the early one at, at 6 a.m. Uh, one of our leadership team members said, why don't we go to the 6 a.m. one? I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, but what was really neat is that we were with people from, all over the world, Australia, the, the UK, Portugal, yeah. and to hear them hear them share about what God is doing in their midst all over the world. Yes. It was so edifying. It was so uplifting. Wow. You know, it, <laughs> yeah, there, there's lots of trouble. There's lots of things going on that, that aren't good. God is at work. Amen. Yeah, it's so, so exciting. And so thank you for what you do. Thank you for your yes. Thank you for your priesthood. And thank you for coming on and sharing with us a little bit about what it looks like to live in community. Because like I say, I think you're sharing today and just the conversation we had, I I really believe that it's going to help other people have these types of conversations who may be finding themselves heading in that direction. 
thank you for having me with you. God bless you. This episode has already sparked conversations in our house about the importance of trust and how we can be more intentional about building community. We'd love to hear what you're taking with you from this episode. How are you inspired by Father Brian's words? Please share with us by leaving a review or reaching out to us via social media or our website at ronhelly.com. Your feedback means so much to us. For those of you wondering, the haircuts actually turned out to be okay. We're going to hang on to our day jobs for now, but feel free to swing by if you're trying to cut costs. In all seriousness, thanks for joining us again, and we hope to see you next week. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powerful.